And we're live with our 200 and I want to say 12th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Super excited to be here. Um, we were chatting with Evan before the show. Turns out he was our second guest ever, Ken. <laughs> I, That's awesome. I spaced. <laughs> Him and Jerry, early supporters of the podcast. Um, but it has been a couple of years since we've talked to Evan, and so we wanted to catch up. Before we get into that, though, a couple of housekeeping items. Number one, there are still slots available for DEF CON trainings in Vegas. Um, please uh, consider us if you're going to be there. Um, we had quite a crew last time, and it looks like we'll have quite a, quite a crew. Again, this time as we do secure code review, we'll post the links up shortly. On top of that, there is going to be another opportunity to do the trainings in um, Bellevue in Seattle, November 1st and 2nd, also associated with DEF CON. DEF CON is trying to do more trainings across the country and world, and we've been invited to train there as well. So if you can't make DEF CON the conference during the summer, look for us. That's the rescheduled trainings from earlier this year in Seattle in Bellevue, November 1st and 2nd. Um, so we'll post both those links up here shortly. Um, in addition, one more thing, right? Like I've got a laundry list, laundry list in front of me here. We will be hosting a an absolute AppSec happy, happy hour. I guess we should say that Dry Run and Redpoint will be hosting an absolute AppSec happy hour during DEF CON August 10th. Um, at O'Shea's in uh, Vegas, right? So very near the conference center. Um, it's the night before the official DEF CON kicks off. I think DEF CON 101 is going. But if you would like to attend, please jump into Slack and DM Ken or I. We'll get you all of the details. We'll probably post more about it on social media and have a sign up here sh shortly. But we're just knocking that all down. Um, or we're locking it all down, I should say. Um, yeah, I think that is everything to kick us off for today. Uh, Ken, anything else that I've forgotten? No, no, not at all. I think we're, uh, I, I was just thinking like, man, it's going to be like five days in Vegas. And then two weeks later, I'll be back out there. Uh, I got something going on out there and it'll be for like another five days. And I'm just like, man, that's all, that's, that's, that's too much too, Vegas. That's, that's way too much Vegas. It's like almost half a month in Vegas. That, yeah. Anyways, too much, too much, but. Yeah, so we've got Evan on today. Uh, man, I didn't realize you were the second. I knew you were early, but I didn't realize it was the second guest. That's mm -hmm. that's surely nothing in your life has happened since then. <laughs> no changes at all. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I think uh, it was like 2019. Uh, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, you were heavy at, at uh, Cloudflare at that point. Um, which, yeah, I mean. Because we, we, we kind of got cut off because because uh, of my internet connection issues, but uh, we were getting into it. And uh, yeah, like, I'm curious, you know, what kind of, because you were, you were a big part of that team and you were there for a while, and uh, but you decided to start your, your new company, uh, Run Reveal. And yeah, just curious, um, what kind of got you headed in that direction? Um, and I know you've been having a good time. <laughs> like a startup is super fun. Um, but yeah, besides it being, you know, super fun, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. And so it's always a big decision. So yeah, just curious how you made that decision. Yeah, yeah. I've always kind of wanted to and um, start my own company and having worked at Cloudflare and working at Segment. And I worked at LastPass way back in the day. Um, when I first graduated from college and they were really small, um, I always kind of wanted to build my own company as well. And um, then the other thing you need is the drive and then you need a co-founder and the timing just happened to work out really, really well with my co-founder that I have, uh, Alan Braithwaite, who he was earlier at Cloudflare around 2014, not super early, but um, there pre 100 people roughly and then um uh he ended up at segment at the same time i did and he worked there for about six or so years and uh um it just so happened when i was looking to leave cloudflare um 
last year, uh, I happened to have dinner with him and caught up with him, and the timing just seemed to work out really, really well. So um, that's kind of how the genesis of uh, of starting Run Reveal, jumping ship from Cloudflare, and um, it, uh, it's been a lot of fun, like you said. A lot of learning experience, trying to like, I've never run payroll before this, and uh, that's that's new. I've uh, I, I trying to figure out how health insurance works for everybody. We've had health insurance for forever, but uh, there's like a lot of new learnings that aren't that aren't computers. That's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's well, and you know what's funny, and I don't know if you experienced this too with insurance. Like we, so we um, we bought it uh, like the second best plan but like really high like expensive 100 percent covered all that stuff and uh so when you spend that much and it wasn't like a huge difference between the next tier up um and it didn't look like there were too many differences but anyways we're talking about like really good insurance theoretically but what's interesting is no matter how much money you spend it seems like there's still just huge gaps in coverage like this state i don't want to make turn it into a tangent about the state of healthcare, but my God, you could spend a ton of money and still not get like great coverage. It's pretty surprising. Um, that's a learning for, for, for our side of things. So let me ask you this. I know like you, you have problems with the way Sims traditionally, you know, work. Uh, and I know that was a motivation. And by the way, it was cool to meet Alan at the, the happy hour. I know Seth and I both met Alan, but, um, did Alan share your distaste as well uh, for for the current state of things in that regard? Yeah. So um, Alan, uh, super hardcore data engineer over the past many, many years of his career, hacker at heart. So he kind of knew that this was a space that existed in security. And, um, and he kind of looked at like, uh, the pricing pages of some of the existing vendors and, and we talked to customers and, and uh, CISOs and, and customers are more than happy to like break out their big budget spreadsheet and show you exactly how much money they're spending on Splunk or whatever. And, uh, and then they'll tell you exactly how much they don't like it. And, and then we say, how much data are you ingesting? And security people, we hear oh, it's about a terabyte a day or three terabytes a day. or And we're like, that's kind of a lot of data to search and whatnot. And Alan, uh, Alan's kind of like, oh, that's like 30 megabytes a second. That's nothing. And, uh, and so he, he wasn't like a super uh, security person before. He, he's getting more active in the Seattle security scene since that's where he's based. But uh, he does. He did have all of the data engineering chops, and he was kind of uh, uh, looking at the pricing pages of a lot of these vendors, and he was like, "We can do so much better." Uh, and then he'd watch videos of using the uh, search interface for something, and being like, uh, "We can do so much better than this." And uh, so we've just kind of been uh, building a platform that looks like the Sims that you're used to seeing. And then trying to build it in a way where we can offer it to anybody at any price point. So I think we're the first detection data platform with a free tier that you just sign up and start using it. I can't find somebody to, I haven't found one that, that proves me wrong, but uh, there's not many of them out there if there's more than one. And uh, that's all from Alan's kind of uh, architectural decisions that we've made together. Yeah, I'm sure the pricing has to do with the uh, amount of money they spend it uh, spend on like marketing and and things like that. Uh, it's pretty ludicrous, and the the, the, the Splunk conferences and, and fun stuff like that. Not not to crap on Splunk or anything. I mean, I've used it; it's fine. But yeah, it's pretty. Well, it, I shouldn't even say it's fine. Like I don't know, Seth, about your experience with Splunk, but there's a learning it, curve to it. It's, there's it a learning curve steep. to it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that I mean that that's one of the biggest complaints. I mean that's one of the interesting things, Evan at Runreville, like just looking through the demos and stuff that you guys have posted online and the videos that I'm super excited about is the ability to just query it like you would 
a database and having the LLM behind it, I'm like, oh man, this is a game changer for monitoring in general, right? <laughs> like, like having to build those Splunk rules out or use what is it, Graylog or some of the others and trying to get the data back out that are going on, that's going on from, Hey, I'm focused around a person rather than a, you know, a device. It's, it's been, it's so difficult to do from a monitoring perspective, at least now, right. With the current infrastructure. So I'm interested to see how that progresses and what the customer journeys look like. Um, sounds like you are, you know, in an open beta right now, correct? I, I think that was just announced this week. Yeah, yesterday we announced that we uh, are are in open beta, and so anybody can just sign up and start sending sending data to Run Reveal and querying their data, hooking it up to Grafana to make visualizations. Um, we've uh, tried to give you a baseline set of alerts for the few kind of log formats that we support right now it's CloudTrail logs, GCP logs, G Suite logs, and then ALB logs. And uh, we're trying to expand to um, uh, kind of in a way where as we support more log sources, we give you a bunch of visualizations and alerts that are really good that we like. Um, as we support more tools. So, um, yeah, you can just sign up, start querying your logs, make visualizations out of it. We give you a bunch out of the box. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, uh, yeah, it is, it is really nice. I find myself using it just, like, running the logs command and uh, saying, show me the last 10 logs or show me what Michael did today. And yeah. uh, it's nice. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean... Honestly, like on a daily, anybody who listens to the podcast knows that like my big like logging, auditing, uh, you know, crocs and socks, like the basics of security, right? Like, and it's the one that is, that we consistently fall down on, right? Like whatever the afterthought is of, hey, I've got functionality there, but oh yeah, we don't need to worry about logging until after the fact, right? Until we've launched, right? Whatever it is. And from a just... Yeah, monitoring usability support perspective without those the companies run blind right um i mean even yesterday dealing i was doing a threat model with a company and that was a huge sticking point was i'm like okay all right so how do you know that this user is trying to steal data and they're like uh we don't right like just like I, what do you want to do with this right like there's a reason why it's a yeah there's a reason i get i get excited about it right um to actually see something that works so yeah we're gonna have to go in and play with it some more Um, did they say why why did they was it just um like they tried a logging solution and didn't work or they just were like ah we just got too many priorities that didn't like fall under that or it was more of a, oh, we have the functionality that we built in, and then we've got these clients that are logging into the admin interfaces, like, you know, they've got a customer, you know, whatever that customer forms, customers give them data, the clients log in can actually see the data. I don't want to go into too many details. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> but basically, when the clients log into this admin portal, they just have access to all the data, right? Um, and I'm like, okay. They're like, well, we could probably tell you who did it. I'm like, okay. But do you know what they accessed? Well, we know that they were in there, right? Like that was about it. Like it, part of it is just the application logging that they have is uh, is piss poor, right? Like, um, but um, you know, the solution that they've got in place is basically, oh, we shuttle things into five different locations, don't really aggregate, and we just go look when there's a problem, right? That's uh, you know, and, and it's a pretty common thing when you run into some of these startups that they just don't think it all the way through. Um, yeah. I mean, Evan, are you running into that with people that are implementing it? Is it the first solution that they are going with or you're seeing more of the switches from, say, a Splunk? Yeah. So we're trying to get in with a lot of smaller companies for now to get really good feedback and rapid feedback because selling a tool like that to big companies, it's just slow going and we'll, we'll have to do it. But um, to really improve the product. Uh, we're mostly focusing on people who have zero detection today or okay. have maybe one security engineer or maybe they have a CTO who cares a lot about security. Um, and uh, um, I think we want to figure out that use case where we can be side by side for a while with the existing solutions and then like slowly overtake it is the 
way I describe like uh, best case scenario, how everything works out with the company. And uh, um, so we're trying to like figure out what that really niche thing that we can help companies who already have a Splunk who maybe don't like it, where they'll want to try it. And so we've got the foundation of like collect your logs, visualize, query, all of that really robust. And now we're working on like what's next to, to um, make it really compelling to them. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, like it, I don't want to turn it into too much of it, but I, I'll probably recommend that these guys come over and check it out, right? Like, you know, just from a, you know, I saw that you guys had done the, the blog post. So yeah. I may have other people will start shipping your way because I, yeah, we need this, right? But at least from my perspective. So, um, cool. So uh, like talk to us a little bit about, um, what took you into the logging and monitoring space? I mean, I knew you were at Cloudflare and, um, you, you were there for, you know, a hot minute, right? Like it was a while. Um, yeah. they have, I, I know they have a really good like security presence, security team. Um, so was it more just that your that Alan was available? Like, what is it that kind of spurred you to make this jump? Yeah. Uh, I was working at Cloudflare. I was leading product security. So, um, mm -hmm. I had a nice fancy title, senior director of product security or security engineering. And, uh, uh, I was managing enterprise security, um, application security, and then a tooling and automation team. And um, uh, team was great, really enjoyed my job, the responsibilities I had, but I did not, I was just going crazy sitting in 30, it felt like 50 meetings a week, the same rotating wow. meetings, and um, felt like uh, just not fun, not the best use of my time. And I would just end the week just unhappy. And so I was like, I got to make a change. Um, we also had like not a very fun 2022 on um, our Cloudflare security team with um, kind of overhanging was Joe Sprile, uh, Joe Sullivan, who was our CISO um, and a fantastic mentor over the years and manager. Um, uh, he was my manager at Cloudflare. And so that wasn't very fun to like uh, manage through. But luckily, Joe, uh, that that's all resolved for Joe now. And um, uh, but yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, man, I can't keep doing this. It's not very fun. I got to make a change. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it's interesting how that progresses because I, I, you're not the first person that I've heard that from, right? And um, just getting. I don't know, promoted out of the technical aspects, right? I mean, Ken, you know, similar, I, I'm sure he has a similar story to tell, you know, being at GitHub, starting as kind of an individual contributor and then moving into more management space. And all of a sudden you're sitting in, you know, six hours of meetings a day. Um, and it, it's not to say that that's not important for those big, for those larger organizations, Um but depending on your personality and what it is that you want to do on a daily basis, you almost promote out of, out of the things that are interesting to you and compelling to keep you engaged. Right. Yeah. I will. I, I mean, I, so yeah, no, I like, I, I was, I was muting myself because uh, I think the background noise is actually coming from my mic. And so I'm going to move cause I've got a bunch of people um, doing some painting, uh, Anyways, so I'll move to a different room here in a sec. But I was like furiously shaking my head, nodding. I'm like, dude, that sounds exact. I mean, I love GitHub and I really loved the people I worked with. But I have to say towards the end of my time there, my entire week was spent. Yeah, just like on meetings and which is something, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a founder um, that I'm being very conscious of is making sure that we as you know, obviously it's easy right now, but as we grow, I don't, I don't want to become meeting heavy at all. I think, I think the, the original way when I started at GitHub where it was asynchronous written communication um, and then only like kind of pinging if you on a zoom or whatever, if like it's, you know, require, requires collaborative kind of make some decisions together kind of stuff like, you know, stuff that's a little bit more uh, it's hard. It's just, it's not even hard to write out. It's just, it would, it doesn't make sense. There are times where you realize that, that doesn't make sense. But on the whole, 
a lot of meetings, getting to the end of the day at to the end of the week, exhausted, unfulfilled. And more importantly than all that, I think, and this is again, no fault of, uh, this is not to like, you know, bash GitHub because I really do love them. What I, what I would say though, is it becomes harder and harder as the organization grows. Like when Microsoft, you know, acquired GitHub, they grew it by a significant amount. And one thing that becomes hard is to like do anything. So we were trying to, you know, improve our SDLC and, and, uh, shift left with security reviews and all kinds of fun stuff like that. And what, what you find out is like, man, when an org becomes that huge, there's a lot of interested parties. It's hard to make any decisions. People don't like the decisions that get made. Um, and you get stuck in this, this, this unfortunate situation where it basically is almost impossible to innovate in some regard. Um, or at least it takes years longer than it should. And by the time you've innovated, it's like, it's not innovative anymore. So, um, <laughs> You know, in any case, I'm just shaking my head, nodding along, like, yeah, man, I feel that. And the, the startup, when you said it was fun when we were talking offline, I'm like, yeah, dude, that's like the fun part of this is that it's not easy. Of course, it's not supposed to be. But at the same time, and there's risk involved, but at the same time, like you get to work on that something you believe in and you're in control of that and you get to hear from people and they tell you what their problems are. And you're like, oh, I can solve. I think I can solve your problem. That's a really inspiring thing. Anyway, so Seth, when Evan was saying that, I was just so many things like, yeah, I just totally feel. I, I would just echo what you said. Like, I'm not saying any of this to bash Cloudflare. I, st- I have my, uh, I've got a giant like aluminum Cloudflare thing here and I've got like my mug I'm drinking out of is Cloudflare. But uh, um, you're right. It and I got my like- uh, little... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On. yeah, it starts yeah. to be soul sucking a little bit when you can't make decisions when uh, decisions, bad decisions take super long time to unwind because there's just so many parties involved. And it's just like, uh, just takes forever. You're right. It's unfulfilling. So um, it's been a lot of fun. And it's been nice, but love Cloudflare. Uh, still holding my Cloudflare stock and haven't sold yet. So <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a nature. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the nature of larger organizations. Not to interrupt you, Seth, but um, I was just going to say it's the nature of larger organizations. It's just what happens. And it's like getting back to your roots uh, or being able to like. So, I mean, I I don't know if you guys, I I guess I'll ask, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this when we when we started off a dry run um, and like it's July, pretty much March is when we fully staffed up and all of that. And so that's not that long ago, but, um, in the early days, you know, we had this idea of what we're going to build and, and all that. And as you talk to people, you're like, Oh, wait, Oh, so you don't want that. You actually need these other things. And I think that that's kind of also a fun part is, uh, getting someone to say, this is what I really need. This is really what I really want, but this is also what I really need. And then saying like, you know what, maybe I'm not going to hit the mark in the right way. And then tuning that for them. And then, you know, of course, making sure that it's going to be the same for other customers. You can't just build for one person or one entity. But in any case, that's a really it's nice to be able to take an idea, but pivot off of that and, and be flexible. Whereas I feel like to what we were just talking about, you know, making changes um, after doing a little discovery, you know, maybe what you thought you were going to do doesn't make a lot of sense. When you decide to make that shift in a large organization, now you need to notify a whole bunch of people. There's a whole bunch of writing that goes on. There's probably some Zoom, for sure, some Zooms. There's going to be some like sign-offs, thumbs up on this new direction. And it's just, yeah, it's just so hard to be nimble. And I know we're talking about a topic that books have been written upon and many, many uh, other podcasts have talked about, but it's still a real thing that's uh, soul sucking to a degree, or at least doesn't make it very enjoyable. But uh, yeah, I'd say it's freeing getting to, uh, I I also found at Cloudflare when um, I started working with some startups and like uh, advising and, and that also got my juices flowing where I really wanted to do something else. And so it's both freeing when you go and do that for yourself, but it can also be a little relief working with smaller companies where you can at least see people be really nimble and, and get you excited again. Um, and uh, at Cloudflare, we would work with some smaller vendors and whatnot where we could, uh, we could really impact the direction of the product and stuff like that. And, and that was a lot of fun. Um, 
because uh, it, it was like very mutually beneficial in, in all of those cases. And, um, but yeah, it does uh, not to, not to stay on the topic, but does uh, it's a lot of fun just working in a discord with a bunch of your friends who are building stuff and you're shipping and, uh, and uh, you're like monitoring Grafana and watching the numbers all day. And it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I noticed Seth talked about, I'm going to switch to, uh, by the way, I'm going to switch positions to uh, uh, the, uh, my basement here in a second, go to another desk. But uh, okay. so you'll see me go offline. But um, while I'm doing that, can you tell, I, I know Seth, you mentioned an LLM bit to this piece. Is that, is, did I hear that right? And I'm curious how, how you're integrating um, or like how you're using that. Yeah. Yeah there's a slim chance that I could actually present my screen and it works. But um, the idea is uh, I'll, I'll give it a try in a second after I explain, but okay. um, it, we didn't put in much work to this, but it's been fantastically helpful um, and kind of interesting. Uh, we uh, support querying your logs with SQL. So you send us all your logs and, and we index them and, make them searchable uh, with SQL uh, exactly how you'd expect it to. But then uh, a lot of people I've talked to over the years say, we don't want to use SQL. Uh, that's like not fun. Uh, also, mm-hmm. you have to learn SQL and then there's joins and all this stuff. Um, and so uh, we made it so we generate SQL based on what you write into an LLM. So you run, run, reveal logs, and then you can say like, show me one log, show me what Michael's done uh, today. And uh, you do a little backslash A at the end of it to say, generate this query with AI. And then, uh, and then boom, it'll generate a SQL query for you and query your logs. And it just kind of works. It's been amazing at how well it works. You can say, just give me the most recent log or logs from the past month or these columns and it just figures it out. Okay. So you're using the LLM then to structure or to, to take a customer query and turn that into SQL to actually query the database. That's, that's where the LLM feature is coming in. Yep. It's not a, it's not earth shattering use of AI, but it's like a massively simplifies like, writing the syntax of a a query. And I I mean, honestly, like though, this is, this is the sort of AI increases that is probably going to be more impactful um, as we move forward. Right. Like, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need to be an expert in SQL anymore to query the logs and actually query like your database, or I don't have to be an expert in, I don't know, like there's all sorts of different applications here where it's not this huge leap to you have a full bot that understands everything under the sun. It understands this small space and can speed up what an expert can actually get to. That Those are the places, I mean, I know everybody talked about ChatGPT, but that's the sort of usage that I that excites me. And I know, I mean, I know, Ken, you've been working on something similar um, over at yeah, I- Dry Run, right? Right. Can you hear me pretty well or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're okay. good. Sweet. Um, yeah. No, and sorry for the uh, noise uh, for those listening earlier. Uh, I have soundproof headphones on and I'm using crisp AI. I thought all oh, of that would be enough to get rid of that, but apparently not. Anyways. Um, yeah. So this is the interesting thing. I almost posted about this, but then I realized I'd have to respond to people on Twitter and have time for it. But uh, so I didn't, but I was going to say like, I'm actually surprised at the, well, I guess you shouldn't say surprise, but there is a lot of cynicism. And I think uh, around, you know, LLMs and, and AI, um, more than I guess I, I expected. And what's interesting, I think, I think is that what I've seen criticism wise is like, well, the data gets skewed kind of thing. And it's like, well, you have to shepherd that data correctly but if you do a good job of that, it is surprisingly accurate. There's a lot of information and it speeds up a lot of things. And it's for me, you know, we started, I don't want to reveal uh, kind of the latest stuff that we're, we're doing because that's, um, well, 
how we're using LLMs, but, you know, I can say how we started off was like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, we need to do some first level kind of triage and, and allow people to interact with something and ask some questions without having to go to human being. That was cool. And you can get incredibly accurate results. And, uh, as long as you do a good job with, with, with the data, uh, which is when I say a good job, I mean, it's a lot of like, okay, uh, you, you've got to say, you got to give the right data sets for, for what, thing is being whatever it is like if you're doing a chat bot you know you got to give it the act you got to give it great data and it's got to be contextual to the conversation that you're having or the thing that you're having a conversation about sure and i'm trying to say all this without going into too many details but um i just think people don't really yet those that are very cynical don't fully yet grasp how accurate it can be when you do a, a good job um and just how much it can specifically for us, like we, there's a lot of code we now don't, we don't have to write. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. There's a lot of code we, we no longer have to write or worry about writing because um, of how agnostic LLM with good data can, can be and how many questions it can essentially answer. So anyways, that's been my take. Like, I don't know if you feel the same way, Evan, but um I don't know. I just think the cynicism is a little like, hey, you should actually try this and actually like dig in before you you shut it down and say it's, oh, yeah. oh, it's not not any good or whatever. I think security people are really cynical in, about um, about AI because there's just been a lot of vendors who've overpromised what the AI will do, and um, and you're probably more AI forward having worked at GitHub. I have co-pilot auto-completion in my Vim plugins, and it just works. It's amazing. And uh, if you give it the right data and the right use case, um, you're right. It's super, super helpful. But if you promise to shove every log that you captured on your three terabytes of logs and generate zero false positives uh, and uh, charge a million dollars for your whatever vendor contract, then people aren't going to like you very much. So it really like you got to set the right expectation and then uh, uh, have the right use case for it. I agree. That's a really, actually, I, you know, I didn't really think about the, the fact that, you know, you, you do have to kind of set expectations, but yeah, shoving in just arbitrarily because it is that thing of like, it's not like uh, just, yes, more quality data is great, but not just more data in general. It's not, 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 not wonderful. And, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, you're right too. I didn't really, again, didn't really think about it, but there's, that's probably what a lot of it is like vendors having burned people by yeah promising like things that just aren't possible. It's not magic. It's, it's feels somewhat magical. I will admit, but um, yeah, it just comes down to like proper prompts, proper data, Really, that's all it is. Well, um, I, yeah. I mean, in the space, the overreactions there are always the like. I don't know about the two of you, but all, all the questions from my non-technical friends have been, "Oh, so AI is going to you know kick you out of a job?" And I'm like, "Come on, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, it, it it's going to change my job. Like in ways like what uh, Runreville is doing, it's going to make my job easier. And as long as I feed the AI and I understand how to actually use it, right? Like uh, it, you know, I, I fully expect people to be doing this in the pen testing space and other spaces as well to actually make the experts more effective as opposed to like, you know, taking over or replacing those experts. It's that's that's not where AI is headed, at least, in, you know, in my opinion. But on the flip side, I'm like, I'm with you. You need to go out and play with it and actually see what it can do. Right. Um just sticking your head in the sand as far as like, no, no, it'll never be able to help me. Uh, it's just not the way to, to go about it. Can I say that those of us that's, that built, like, you know, decided to, anybody that decided to like build a startup and then a few months later, this came out in, in this, in the, the form, you know, like chat GPT being more public and AI being more powerful and the, GPT-4, you know, private beta coming out or uh, private waitlist, whatever it is. Um, super lucky, man. <laughs> like that is, I don't know about you, but that wasn't my intention. That's not when I started off 
you know, I'll just admit like that. I had no intentions of AI when, when we started, it was, and, and using LLMs at all. That wasn't even in the cards. It wasn't even on the horizon, but we started the company and then this amazing, I do think amazing technology um, and technological leap were happened to be released. So even though like economically, it seems like obviously not the greatest time in the world, right? Like funding's hard, you know, there's always these fears of recession and all that stuff. Obviously that's, that part doesn't always sound like, you know, or it doesn't feel great. Um, though it's temporary and I'd argue for other reasons, which we don't have to get into, it's like a good time. But I think that that's the most fortunate part of starting a company when at the time that you did, at the time I did. And Seth, you're still early on too, where you can still, you know, meaning like um, in the product space side of things, I don't know if I'm, I don't mean to like re- reveal your <laughs> stuff, but I know you have a product. We're, well we're looking into like, it as well. Yes. yes <laughs> yeah. That's all. yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's cool. Very cool. You can't ignore it. That's for sure. If, if you weren't intending on doing it, you got to kind of uh, see, you got to take advantage of being a startup and being more nimble than everyone else and see how can, um, how can this help what I'm doing already? 100%. And the nimble part's the big part. Yeah. Well, and I'm I, like, I'm interested, right? Like actually, so one of the things I w- I've been thinking about is the fact that there's been this like AI village that's been at DEF CON for however many years at this point, right? Like, and a lot of it's been ML models and, you know, other things. They've Obviously they've talked about LLMs. It's going to be interesting to see how popular that village is this year with the rise of chat GPT and people realizing that, oh crap, like we have to, like, like, like we're having this discussion now, we need to understand how this can help or what the effects are of this. I mean, as a consulting company, I've had people asking, okay, how do you actually, you know, pen test or fuzz, you know, uh, fuzz LLMs, right? Like, you know, what sort of risks and threats are involved with providing this data to an LLM and, you know, prompt injection and all the kind of, uh, you know, possible attacks that are out there because it's a it's a new space that we haven't necessarily thought through or it's not as mature as the other technologies that we're dealing with um and so right it it'll be i'm just interested to see what that ai village looks like right um as opposed to apsic village and some of the others that you know the spaces are a little bit more mature i don't know have you guys dealt with anything have you heard you know like I, i know there's been online articles and things like that but have you heard anybody really speaking in that space or giving you know further yeah I don't know the only thing i saw well i've seen rahul rahul zade yep. uh my my coworker at github which i posted um and can repost he has a github repo with a collection of all the different security research that's going on from prompt yeah. injection to a bunch of the other stuff that's that's all there so that's cool i also saw hidden layers product at rsa which uh supposedly helps keep data i mean it was a little nebulous it was sort of like well we keep the data clean and secure kind of thing for uh you know it's a two-minute pitch how much can you really go into um so i I don't really know i have have some theories on how that kind of works with the data sets and and all that though it's it's I, i don't know about you evan but my feeling is and seth but it feels like there are obviously a lot, like I'm going to maybe go back a little bit here. Like there's obviously a lot you can do with prompts and with data sets to, to sort of shape things correctly. Open AI, if you look at their API reference, it goes into like how to do advanced fine tuning. So there is fine tuning you can do, but once you've fine tuned, it's a black box. Like it, you don't, yeah, I mean, good luck. I don't even know how you, I think that's the crux of it, right? You really can't debug. It really is a black box once it starts you know, evaluating that data. Um, am I wrong there or you guys have different thoughts there? No, that sounds right. It's, it's especially hard when it's not your data that went into the model and it's not your, uh, not your model. It's just true. black box testing. Yep. Which you all should be really good at. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, honestly, it's super fun, right? Like it's super interesting from a from a fuzz perspective, right? Like what is the data that I can send to it? What can I ask? 
um, right? Like I, I think everybody's seen that with prompt injection. Like, oh, if you were designing a, you know, an LLM with the same rules or with rules similar to yours, how would you do that? Like, what were the rules that you'd give it? And it would spit out like all the rules that were used to build that LLM and like the different edge cases and how they're able to respond to things. Um, but uh, there's so much more that's there, right? Like at, at the end of the day, it's an application that's running, that's taking user input and spitting out some sort of output, right? Like, um, and it's a, computer. It is a, it's a computer, it's a black box. So, you know, input in, you know, uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? Like the same theories all apply that we've talked about since the, you know, yeah, I don't want to date myself again, but since the you know, like you know, all the papers that I reference from the '60s and '70s, right? Like it really hasn't changed that much. It's just a new, tech. it's a new tech, um, and yeah, I, I mean, it'd be interesting, Evan, to to start pushing some of the to monitor some of that and uh, just to see what people are asking. I, like it's just a treasure trove of interesting data. It's exciting to sure. watch. Yeah. There are certain, like, I'm looking at this platform right now. Um, I've been looking at a few platforms that are basically are like proxies that sit between you and whoever you're, like, it could be, I'll just use OpenAI since we've been talking about them. It could be OpenAI. It could actually be any other big provider. But um, they sit between you and those folks and help just, like I said, wrap a nice UI around everything. But they also do, they have some level of security, right? So you can redact, mask, replace sort of these secure or these uh, values that like you, you may not want in the data sets. That's the most I've seen. Some of those values are like everywhere from the stuff you'd expect, like social security numbers and IDs and all that to like DEA numbers and medical record numbers and ICD-10 classification codes for diseases and stuff like that. So there are there is a notion of um, built into some of these uh, proxy providers, or I call them a proxy. I don't know if that's the right term. I don't even know if there is a term for them yet, but that's what I've seen is that that's the only kind of like security I've seen around it to go back to your original question. I, this is a funny uh, tangent. I saw somebody, uh, a, a Washington beat reporter for the uh, football team, the Washington football team, uh, which was a much better name than the commanders. And uh, he was staying in a hotel and he uh, heard an alarm. So he called the front desk and he was clearly, uh, he, he started talking to the front desk over, uh, over chat. Uh, Cause they had an app in the Hilton app or whatever. And uh, I don't know if it was Hilton. I can't remember at this point, but uh, he was talking through the app to the front desk. And uh, he says, I hear an alarm what's going on upstairs? And the app says, you hear an alarm. Well, it must be a fire alarm uh, because it was an AI chatbot that he was talking to. And he said, is the hotel on fire? Do I need to get out of here? I don't hear any fire alarms. And uh, it says, well, if you hear an alarm, it must be a fire alarm. You should leave the building. And uh, and so you can't just throw AI at every problem. Uh, you have to be smart with it. But um uh, especially if you don't understand all of the ways that it might be used. I could see the medical records and whatnot uh, blocking and DLP-like features being used specifically for like chatbots at, at your Solus insurance company. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... That's awesome. <laughs> that's that. That's okay. I mean, they they own that data anyway, right? So, right, it should should be fine. Don't worry about it, right? True. That's, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's 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 going to be interesting, right? Like, but but I do, you know, again to go back to you know what you're doing with it, like you know, chomping it off bit by bit, using it in specific for very specific applications. Um, that's where I see it actually helping out more than hurting um the the open-ended uh you know chat gpt open ai um that's getting a little bit more flexible and but you're gonna get out of it kind of what you put into it um i don't know yeah i mean that that's kind of been my experience with it up to this point right uh copilot has been super helpful from a um, hey, how do I do this? Like build me this function, build me this class struct, whatever it is, speeds up programming, 
I, you know, I'm good on that end, but it does, I don't know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> Outside of it's stuff. just, it's just interesting, right? Like it's, you know, I don't think there's a, it's one of the, it, it's just another technology to have in our quiver and for people to use, they shouldn't be afraid of it. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, on another note, I did want to get into your PLG, your product-led growth, Evan. And uh, no, actually, I was honestly, I was just curious about like who's your like buyer, you know, because that's something I get asked all the time. It's like, who's your primary buyer? And I'm like, people that will spend money on products. <laughs> that's my primary. No, no, no. We a little bit better of a thanks to James. We have a little bit better of a response for that. But uh, yeah, I'm curious. It is purely James is doing there, but uh, yeah, no, I'm curious with, with, uh, yeah. Who's your primary buyer? Like who, who do you envision sort of, uh, you know, not just using the product, but like, um, yeah, bring, bring it into the fold. Is it purely security people? Is it a mix of, you know? Yeah. Uh, groups? I, I'm hoping that we have a good mix of small security teams and then companies that don't have a security team at all. Um, we want to kind of, uh, uh, like we, we don't really want to focus on selling to the big enterprises at first. Um, so we're trying to kind of PLG like, I wouldn't say what we're doing is, uh, product led growth. Uh, but we want to be able to have a really good product that, that small teams feel like they're getting value out of. And maybe one single security engineer or CTO who cares a lot about security, and then um, and then those kind of uh, free users or low cost users do a lot of the quality testing. They find bugs. They give you great feature ideas. Um, they make it so your distribution of the product is really sound because um, you don't want to be in the background like. Uh, with ropes and and uh, paper clips, trying to tie something together for enterprise customers every time you sign someone up, um, and then over time we want to move into the uh, move up market into the higher end kind of uh, sim kind of stuff. So first buyer to answer your question, uh, first buyers kind of small small teams, roughly less than five hundred people at the company where they're they have a kind of still uh, not super mature security program. And then, uh, I did that tangent because if it's not like super product led growth, I don't really think that product led growth purely would work in security. You kind of need the enterprise sales thing going at the same time. Yeah, that can be a tough one too. And you, you kind of hinted at it, but, but that is a challenge is like the, the things that an enterprise may need and the things you might have to build specifically for them or tweak specifically for them for that contract can be, can be fairly difficult and onerous, especially for a small development team. So like, I've thought about that too. It's like, well, at what point does that become feasible? Um, I just, in my head, seem to defer things to series A. (laughs) Series A is always the answer, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) you know, Hey, you got to get out of seat. So um, that's a future us problem. Exactly. Problem. Yes. Yeah. Always, always future problems. Are you going to be, by the way, Evan, at DefCon and and uh, Black Hat? I, I figured you would, but yep, yeah. we booked our hotel back in April, real cheap. I got like hundred thirty dollar a night hotel. I'm excited. <laughs> Dang, I haven't even booked mine. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Ken is staying at the off strip. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Way off strip, like like uh, Reno, Nevada, off strip. Yeah. Reno, Nevada. Oh, the Hilton. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, my dog wanted to make a sense, apparently. Love it. Um, yeah. So, so are you coming in earlier in the week or later in the week? Um, I will be there. So. Um... I'm flying in, just checking my calendar. Kind of early-ish in the week. Yeah, I'll be there for some of Black Hat and then um, nice. and then DEFCON. Yeah, sweet. Um, I'll definitely we're hoping to have uh, kind of some informal like uh, get-togethers. So I'll definitely send it your way. And if anybody's interested, in, feel free to reach out. I'm hoping to like do Top Golf or something, and then. Uh, 
and then uh, drink somewhere. Oh, that'd be a fun one. We'll, we'll put your Twitter handle on here so people can um, either follow you to get updates on that or DM you or whatever. Uh, also, like if you tell us, we can put it in our Slack too so people know to, that they can they can reach out and all that stuff. Um, just because, you know, it's always nice when someone's on the podcast to have a place that you can actually meet them at. So, and uh, yeah. Are you, uh, is your travel schedule pretty pretty heinous right now or are you, you're like pretty relaxed at the moment? It was last month, uh, but I'm pretty relaxed right now. Last month, my co-founder got married, and then uh, we went to another wedding, and so not work-related at all. Uh, oh, and we uh, we actually spent a week in Richmond, Virginia for work. Uh, RVA Sec was going on at the same time that we had uh, hired somebody in Richmond. So um, it, was a, it was a blast in Richmond for the week. But besides that, just like personal travel and my co-founder got married that was i guess well, congratulations to your co-founder Alan. yeah congrats alan <laughs> that's awesome well i since since you brought up virginia it was funny like i don't know when it was probably a few years back i'm at the local gym like eight minutes or not it's like four minutes from my house four or five minutes from my house i'm at a gym you don't know that where people listening, you don't you if you wouldn't know where I live, you wouldn't even if you heard the town, you'd be like, where I have no idea where that's at. Small, right? I'm in the locker room. I'm putting my stuff away. Boom, there's Evan. I'm like, what is happening right now? This makes no sense. Like, I'm like, no, this isn't real. And, and then, I lived yeah, in San sure Francisco enough. at the time. Yeah. And you live in San Francisco. I'm like, this you know, you ever had one of those moments where you're just like, my brain's breaking. This doesn't make sense. Out of, I was so out flustered. Of I called you Seth. <laughs> I don't even remember that. That's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> I was it's like, just weird to be in a locker room in like middle of nowhere. Out of context. Yeah. yeah. And then you're just like, oh, there's Evan. Super strange. But yeah. Shout out to Lifetime. Lifetime. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Lifetime gyms. You're going to get mobbed from all your uh, listeners now. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. At the gym. No, yeah. I, at the gym. Yeah. It should be super fun. In nowhere, America. Yeah. No, it's really a small town, so it's kind of funny. It was it was weird, but uh, so yeah, Richmond. Um, do you come back to Virginia much now? Not really. Um, yeah, I'm here in Austin and uh, moved from San Francisco, and I try to go once in a while to see people, and but for the most part, now. Nice. I'm flying out to Austin on Friday. Um, uh, doing jujitsu competition and during the weekend and then working because like three quarters of our company are based out of Austin right now. So I'm like the only, yeah, like I don't, everybody else. And we've got, you know, some folks that are outside of Austin. Sure. But they're still all West coast kind of, or whatever you would consider that like middle, middle America. I don't know, whatever. Um, so anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll be out there. It's a, the, the thing I've heard, though, about Austin right now is that it's super, super hot and not, like, desirable to be there at all. Yes. If, if, with the weather. It's like 100 degrees every day. It's terrible right now. What's the move like between San Francisco and Austin? What's that been like for you? Uh, it's weird because I was working from home for, like, a year and a half when I moved to Austin. So, like... Uh, I uh, barely know the area because I'm still on my computer all day, but I'm in, I'm in Southwest Travis County. And so like uh, towards dripping Springs, if you look at a map and um, it's hot, if I uh, it, it's hot, I'm right on the edge of where city meets country. So if I go one way, it's all like, uh, uh, like political stickers of one side. And then if I go the other way out of my house, it's like uh, uh, the other side. And it's, I'm right on the edge of where city meets kind of country uh, where Hayes County, the Hayes County line as where uh, is kind of where uh, that starts to change, but there's two grocery stores and, uh, and one's on one side, one's on the other. And it's uh, very interesting to like, depends on which way I go. So the, uh, the move has been interesting. I like it here in Texas. It, there's pros and cons. It's hot. I don't like that. But actually, I got the message from when I said in the Slack that we're in together that I was moving here, someone from Austin 
uh, uh, very helpfully said, get a house with a pool or like make sure that you have access to a pool. And that's been really nice. So that's advice. So I, I was good. Dude, I was going to ask you about this because someone explained to me that Austin has essentially two different like soil kind of situations. One's pure limestone. Like you can't even drill. I mean, it's just like it, you have to like the, the lengths you have to go through to carve out space in limestone is just nuts. And then there's the like regular soil side of things. And I think they were saying like basements and pools on limestone. Yeah, obviously pretty. I don't know if it's entirely a no-go, but it's pretty rough. Whereas on the, so it sounds like you're maybe not on the limestone side of things. You're like regular soil kind of world. No, I'm on the limestone side. <laughs> and you still were able to get a pool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they used to use dynamite apparently. And now that's, yeah. uh, that's not allowed. And so if you have a pool on this side, then, uh, then it, it's like way easier to have one already than to get one. Yeah. And, and and this is why you listen to the podcast is the geography lessons and the you know the soil soil sciences from Ken right so, you know hey the important stuff yeah <laughs> the important you stuff yeah you're right though that Be is a your... thing like it's it's something that I've learned since coming here it's like oh the uh, some structural engineer also told me we don't get many foundation issues out towards this area because it's all on limestone and so it doesn't move as much and um, I'll tell you like from a recruiting standpoint you're in a great place like the tech town out there is unbelievable i mean i went to devops days austin i don't know how long ago a couple months ago um man that was in that really talented engineers really really awesome people um and it feels like every time like you know we're kind of talking about oh maybe we need to bring on another person there's like somebody in austin like ready to go you know Mm -hmm. especially right now with availability and whatnot of engineers so i feel like you're personally i feel like you're in a good spot there too just for straight up loading up your team yeah Yeah, a lot of places have like secondary headquarters here and uh um i would say a lot of people are also like in that boat that we were describing earlier where they just like are sick of what they're doing and um and so there's a lot of people out here in austin who are a lot of talent. Tons of it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with everything that's gone on, like Ken said, right, it's not super surprising, but I, I do know that that's, yeah. I, I mean, I've heard of a lot of companies that have, well, yeah, with COVID and everything and the pandemic, it feels like a lot of people did, did leave some of those bigger cities, right, for for Austin or other places. So the, the engineering talent pool has changed in, in various places. So sweet. Um, let's see. Uh, well, we've been going for an hour. I want to be cognizant of your time, Evan. Uh, the fact that you've given us an hour of your time as a, as a founder, right? Like trying to get everything built. We know how, how that can be. Um, sounds like people can see you at DEF CON. They can find you on Twitter um, is there anything else that you would like to add before we go ahead and close things out oh, today? And your Twitter account, I'll put that up while you guys are talking. Yeah, I'm at EJCX underscore. Uh, I'm just appreciative that you all had me on and um, timing worked out well too because we just, we planned to do our open beta yesterday. And so, um, uh, so uh, exclusive interview after uh, with Absolute AppSec. It's, yes, it's awesome. There you go. Yes. You guys had me. No, it's great. And <laughs> if you are interested, again, we put we posted the the link to the site there, um, and the open beta blog post. Um, yeah, I'd, I would encourage anybody to reach out if you're having issues with logging, monitoring. You want to, you know, try it out. Uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna have some other people come along. So hopefully, I'll so see you guys in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we'll send you an invite to the Absolute AppSec Happy Hour as well. I know we saw you at the last one. If I'm remembering right, um, and yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll, we'll chat more then. Right, we'll we'll have other people there as well. Yeah, that's sorry. This this link's all screwed up, but yeah. Anyways, it's it's on Twitter. It's ejcx underscore again. That's ejcx underscore. So reach out to him if you want to chat talk. Um, ask questions about whatever 
Yeah, thanks, Evan. Dude, I, I'm going to really try to meet up with you again. I appreciate you all come out to our uh, absolute AppSec uh, happy hour as well. Seth, I did. There is one other thing we didn't mention yet. Uh, so, but it's fine because it's a couple. It's a few months out. But um, uh, uh, LastCon, we will be at LastCon, and we will be oh, yeah. hosting a live edition uh, State of the Absolute AppSec panel. So we will uh, corral some speakers from the uh, conference. If there's anybody speaking you would like for us to have on stage, please DM either Seth or I on our uh, Absolute AppSec Slack, or you can DM us on Twitter. My DMs are open. I think Seth's are too. Yep. Um, so yeah, just send those over. Uh, take a look at the the, the schedule and uh, you know see what speakers are there. So anyways, just wanted to throw that out, guys. But um, yeah, Evan, like... Dude, I'm really excited to see what you all do. And uh, I mean, it's, you're in a good space and you're at a good time, I think. Um, and yeah, you're, I think you're going to be successful. So, um, likewise, that, but. <laughs> likewise with Dry Run, we've got to do a, a joint uh, dinner or something, Dry Run and Run Reveal for uh, security, uh, uh, security buyers here in Austin. There you go. Heck yeah. I love it. All right. Thanks, y'all. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to talk to y'all next week. See you soon. See ya.